while psychologists inform us of three greatest needs of any individual is for security significance and self-worth we realize that man was created primarily for communion with god without this we will remain unfulfilled sin stands as a barrier this simple message tells us of how jesus christ came to remove sin and bring us into a deep place of communion with god where our deepest longings are fully met father even as we are seated here in your presence we ask for the things that we hear right now the word that we look at will speak and inspire every heart touch our lives change our lives empower us father to do your will holy spirit we just welcome you even now in this place Move upon every heart and every life. We thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. Over um, the remaining Sundays of this year, that remaining Sundays of November all the way through December, every Sunday morning, we're going to have simple messages that will inspire our hearts, that will challenge us, and yet at the same time, we want to keep in uh, keep in mind that. there'll be many new people beginning to visit church so uh, our messages will be very simple to the rest of this year and uh, hopefully there'll be many who come in hear the word and their hearts are drawn to knowing the lord jesus christ this morning i want to just speak to us about our deepest longing our deepest longing as human beings as as people we've all got desires we've all got things that we crave for we needs and we want to have but many times we don't realize what re- is really the deepest longing of our hearts we don't understand we don't realize that we're not aware of it because the voice of all other needs in our lives is so much louder than that of our deepest longing. I want to use the story in John chapter 4. So if you have your bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 4 and just spend some time here in this little narration of the encounter that Jesus had with a woman at a well in John chapter 4. And out of this incident I want us to reflect together and discover what really is the deepest longing of the human person. I trust that as we go through it we will learn some things together. I'm going to read from John chapter 4 uh, and we'll start with verse 5. It says here that he Jesus came to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph now Jacob's well was there Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey sat thus by the well it is about the 6th hour a woman of samaria came to draw water Jesus said to her give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food so here's the setting It's sometime in the afternoon 
It's hot, dusty. Jesus and his disciples are on the way, making their journey. They come to this place called Sychar. And Jesus and his disciples, they pause there. They're tired. Disciples go to get some food. They're hungry as well. And here comes a woman who comes to draw water out of the well. Now Jesus is tired, he's hungry, thirsty. So he asks this woman, can you give me some water to drink? I just want to make a simple comment here. It might be very obvious, but sometimes it's nice to state the obvious. All of us have physical needs and God is okay with meeting our physical needs. Think about Jesus who is God who became man and in his humanity he has physical needs. He's tired, he wants to rest, he's hungry, he wants food, he's thirsty. He wants some water to drink. And so he pauses to pay attention to those needs. It's fine. God is not against meeting our physical needs. Even Jesus, God who was man, and his humanity had physical needs, and he paused to address those needs, to take care of those needs. Many of us uh, may, be familiar, or may be familiar with uh, Abraham Maslow's uh, theory. Uh, back in 1943, he, uh, uh, Abraham Maslow, uh, the psychologist, he came up with this theory of human motivation. What motivates people? And he described this hierarchy of needs. And out of his paper later on, we uh, you know, came up with this pyramid of needs, of human needs. And, and understanding that the drive to satisfy these needs motivates us, all of us. At the very basic level, we're all motivated to satisfy our physiological needs, all of us. We need air, we need food, we need to rest. Our body has needs. But then when those needs are satisfied, we press on to the next level. Need for security, safety. We want stability. We don't want things that will bring fear or um, cause any sense of insecurity. And then we move on to the next level, which is the love, the need for love and belonging. The need to know that somebody loves us for affection, whether it's family, whether it's friends, other kinds of relationships. Then there are the needs for esteem, for achievement, for prestige, for respect. And then we move on to another level of self-actualization, of of wanting to realize our full potential of, 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 of a sense of fulfillment of reaching our highest peak, uh, peak experience or performance and, and moving to that level. So uh, as human beings, we've got these things. We move up from one level to another. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong in recognizing this. It's useful information and all of that. And so going back to this story, Jesus is beginning. He's starting at this level of, of the very basic level of meaning, human need, physiological need. This woman is there to meet her need for water. And as we continue reading verse 9, the woman of Samaria said to him, 
How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So in verse 10, this woman is saying, you know, and how come you being a Samaritan, you're speaking to me was a Jew? And, and maybe she's operating at level two. You know, hey, there's order here. We need to be secure. We need to be safe. Don't, you know, don't disturb customs. Uh, and she's operating at that level. But Jesus' response is really touching. He says, if you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it is that is speaking to you, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Think about people around us. So many, they don't know. They don't know about the gift of God. They don't know about Jesus Christ. And therefore, they are, are not even in that position to ask for what's eternal, for the living water. They're not even in that position. Why? They don't know the gift of God. They don't know the person of Christ. And so what we are doing, not only as a local church, but as the body of Christ in the city during this season, is trying to make people in our city aware of the gift of God and of the person of Christ. So that they can ask for what is eternal. Give me living water. That's what we're doing. He said, if you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it is that was talking to you, you'd ask for living water. You'd have reached out. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Verse 12, she says, Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? You know, when we go out to people to talk to them, sometimes their initial reaction is like this woman. Now Jesus says, Jesus is telling her, look, I can give you living water. And she's like, Wait a minute. First of all, you have nothing to draw water with. And this well is really deep. Where are you going to get this living water? She's responding in a very rational way, very logical way. Many times when you and I go to meet people and talk to them about the gift of God, of the person of Christ, about living water, they look at you and say, look at me and say, are you going to tell me about living water? Are you going to tell me about the power to change? I mean, you, look at you. Look at you. You come to tell me about the power to change. I mean, you don't have what it takes. Or sometimes, my problems are too big. The well's just too deep. Forget it. 
So they respond like that. In a very rational, very logical way, trying to figure things out. Because hey, who, who, how can another person, how can another human being come and tell me about the power to change? Come and tell me about the gift of God? You'll face that kind of a re- reaction. And then she goes on. She says, and not only that, it's not only that the fact that you don't have what it takes to give me living water because you don't have anything to draw water with and this well is too deep. Not only that, but I've got history. I've got an ancestry that tells me something different. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? I mean, who are you? I've got a history. My father Jacob gave me this well. And so when we go out there to talk to people and tell them about the gift of God and, 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 and the person of Christ who can give them living water, who can satisfy their deepest longing, sometimes it's their ancestry. Sometimes it's the culture. Sometimes it's the very history that holds them back. We've got a lot of tradition. What is this new thing that you come to tell me about the power to change? What's this new thing? And so sometimes history, culture, tradition, ancestry, heritage can hold us back from recognizing the gift of God and what God's giving to us. And we will face those kinds of things as we go out there to talk to people about Jesus Christ. But Jesus goes on, verse 13. Jesus speaks to her and he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of living water springing up into everlasting life. What is Jesus trying to awaken this woman to? He says, you know, you drink this water, you're going to thirst again. You live to satisfy your physical needs. They will recur again. It will happen again tomorrow. And as long as we live, we will have these physical needs. We'll have to keep on satisfying them. But Jesus is saying, look, I can give you something that is eternal. That will become something in you that's self-sustaining. That will keep you satisfied. That will fulfill you. That will meet the deepest longing. And I have that. Is what Jesus is trying to introduce to this woman. Verse 15. The woman said to him. Sir. Give me this water. That I may not thirst. Nor come here to draw. She's still not getting it. Or at least she's beginning to get it. But she's still trying. Connecting it back to her own physical needs. She says, it sounds like a really good deal because if you can give me water so that I don't thirst again and I don't have to come back to this well, it's going to save me a lot of time. So give me this water so that I don't have to keep coming back to this well to draw water. So she's thinking that what Jesus is offering is going to meet only her physical needs. But really, he's trying to address a need that is far deeper. And sometimes people can misunderstand. When we are talking to them about the gift of God, when we are talking to them about the power to change, when we are talking to them about 
the person of Christ, they think it's only to meet their immediate need. But no, we're actually going after something bigger. We're here to meet the deepest longing of their hearts. Something way, way deeper. And that's what Jesus is moving towards. But what I want us to understand here, that even though there are things that hold people back from recognizing the gift of God and the person of Christ, even though sometimes people could misunderstand what we are trying to address, there's one very important thing we must remember. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, it's a very familiar verse, but most of us only quote the first part of that verse. Ecclesiastes 3.11, the first part says, And he has made everything beautiful in its time. We usually stop right there. But when you continue reading that verse, it says this. It says also, He, God, has put eternity in their hearts. God has put eternity in in their hearts. Meaning, in every person, there is something that is eternal. There is something that is beyond the realm of time and space. There is something from outside this realm that's within every person. God has set eternity in their hearts. It's there in every person. And this is that realm that psychologists don't know about because it's the sixth area, if you want to call it that, which is the area of greatest needs, this eternity, this part of every human person that is eternal, which God has put in every person. It says he has put eternity in their hearts, something that's beyond our realm, where we, try to see, where we strive to meet these five hierarchy of needs. These five areas of need address our material realm or our natural realm. But there is a realm inside every person which is eternal, spiritual. God has put eternity in their heart. And then the verse continues, except that or without which, no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. That means without this realm, we cannot understand God. We can understand what in the world God is doing. What is God up to from beginning to end? He's at work and we can understand. The only way that we're going to understand God is through this realm that is eternal, that's been put in every person. The Clark's, Clark's commentary renders this part of that verse. It says, it says, Although that, etern- that et- also that eternity had been placed in their heart, without which man could not find out the work which God has made from the commencement to the end. It's only through this eternal part of us that we are able to understand what God is up to, what God is doing. But what I want us to understand is that inside every human being, there is something that's eternal. God's put it in them. It's there. And that's what the Lord is trying to address. Now, as Jesus continues interacting with this woman, there's a little shift here in verse 16. Jesus speaks to her. He says, 
Go call your husband and come here. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. Now try to imagine yourself being there. Trying to imagine knowing this woman there. There's a shift right now because Jesus goes from conversation about water. And he says, woman, I realize that you have a great need for love and belonging. So he's addressing level three of her needs. Think about this woman. Five husbands. What's it telling us about her? She wants to be loved. She wants to belong. And just try to picture what she must have gone through all these previous years of her life. She got married the first time. And she must have thought, wow. Here I'm going to enjoy love and belonging. Somebody's going to show me acceptance and affection. But that didn't work out. She probably have been through a lot of pain and shame at the end of it. And then she tried again. That didn't work out. She tried again. Again, the end of it. There was pain and shame. And, and so she goes through this cycle five times. What's it telling us? She has a deep need for love and belonging. She wants to be loved. And like this, there are people all around us who not only have physical needs, but they have deep needs for love and affection. All around us. People have these needs. And here this woman, at the end of it, she's just tired of this whole thing of marriage. She says, I'm just going to live with somebody. And so this is where Jesus finds her. She's living with a man who's not her husband. But yet that deep longing for love and affection continues. It's on in her life. It's going on. But notice, even though the Lord Jesus addresses this area, he's not immediately offering a solution for that. In as much as that is a legitimate need in her life. He's addressing a need that goes deeper than her need for love and belonging. He's addressing a need that's even greater and deeper than that. So when Jesus gives her or talks to her about a portion of her life which he definitely would know nothing about because he's a total stranger, but he by the gift of the Holy Spirit reveals that to her, then she, she suddenly understands, here's a man who's connected to another realm, the, a spiritual realm. And, and, he, and that's how he's able to know what's going on in my life or what has happened in my life. And so her conversation changes in verse 19. The woman says to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So now she's getting a little spiritual. She says, even though, even though you don't look like a prophet, you don't smell like a prophet, your shoe must be a prophet. Because you've told me something about my life that, that you would have no access to, no information about, but you're right. So I perceive that you're a prophet. And now out comes 
her understanding, her comprehension, her dealing with her own inner needs. Verse 20, she says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You know, this woman, and as much as she has physical needs and, and as much as she has emotional needs, she's also at a place where she's recognized that there is an inner need in her life, a need to worship God. And she's done some processing, some thinking about that. And so here those questions come out. She says, you know, we think we've got to worship on that mountain. And, but you Jews say you've got to go to Jerusalem to worship. What's it all about? And that's where we find many people. Many people think or come to an understanding in some, some way that there is something inside me that uh, there is a need inside me that's, that's different from my physical need. From my emotional need, there's a need inside me to worship. But I really don't know how to address that need. And so we try to address that need. People try to address that need by going up to some mountain, some pilgrimage, go to a shrine where there may be the, the bones of a dead man, or go make some sacrifices, whatever. That, that quest to satisfy that inner need can be expressed in so many ways. But yet, Jesus points out, it's not about the mountain. It's not about the place. That's not the way to address that, that deep longing that's in your heart. That's not the way. Those things don't address. Religion doesn't address the deepest longing of your heart. A form of religion Whatever form that might be, whether it's in the form of pilgrimage, whether it's form of going up to some mountain, whether it's in the form of some sacrifice, that's really not going to address that deep need that's in every person. Verse 22 is really touching as he speaks to this woman. He says to her, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Think about this. You worship who you do not know. There's this deep longing inside you because there's eternity in your heart and you know it has to be expressed in worship but you don't know where to worship and you don't know who to worship. There's a deep longing inside you but you don't know where, you don't know how to meet that. It reminds me so much of what happened in Acts 17 when Paul goes to Athens? A very spiritual city where the people were very religious. They, they spent a lot of time talking to each other about religious things, about spiritual things. And they always wanted to know something more about spirituality. And as Paul goes around the city, he observes a lot of expression of their spirituality. And here's what he remarks in Acts 17 and verse 23. Paul speaks to the people. He says, as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown gods. 
Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. All around the city, there are people who have eternity in their hearts. And to some degree, they have come to understand that the expression or the, the, the way to satisfy that deepest longing is through worship. I've got to worship. But they don't know where. They don't know who. And sometimes, or many times, they just do this to the unknown gods. To this God that I don't know really who he is. He's probably a force somewhere or some, something impersonal there. But I need to worship to satisfy eternity that's in me, what's eternal in me. And as God's people, we who know salvation, who experience salvation, here's what we're doing. We're here to meet the deepest longing of every heart outside there. We're here to meet that need, to point them to the gift of God and the person of Christ. So Jesus speaks to this woman in John 4, verse 23, and he says to her, Woman, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So here Jesus gives the answer. He gives this woman the key to satisfy her deepest longing. How do you satisfy the deepest longing? Worship. But you've got to worship in spirit and truth. Spirit. Our worship must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not about the form of worship. It's not about the place of worship. But is worship empowered by the Spirit? It's got to be in spirit. It can happen any place. It can happen any time. But it's got to be by His Spirit. And it's got to be in truth. It's got to come out of the knowledge of the true God. It can't be a form without knowledge. It can't be worship to the unknown God. Take it. No. It's got to be in truth. And if it has to be in truth, it has to be with knowledge. You've got to know the true God. It's got to come out of a heart that has this relationship with God. And therefore it is done in sincerity, in knowing who He is and the fact that He is worthy of the worship you're giving. Only then can it be in truth. He says, this is what is going to meet the deepest longing of your heart. You worship in spirit and in truth. And he says, the Father is looking for such. He's not looking for the worship. He's looking for the worshiper. He's not looking for the songs that you sing, but he's looking for the one who's singing the songs. He's not looking for the music we play. He's looking for the one who plays the music. The Father seeks such people. That means we were all designed to be worshippers. 
And it's in worship of God that the deepest longings of our soul, the deepest longings, that eternal part of us is actually satisfied. That we experience this well of living water that will never run dry. It's in this place of being a worshiper of God. But it has to happen in spirit and truth. It's not about the form. It's not about the place. It's not about whether you go up to the mountain or you go to a sacred shrine. None of that. But it's about whether you worship the true and living God in spirit and truth. But like we said, that can only happen when we receive the gift of God and experience the person of Christ. And that's exactly what happens to this woman. Once Jesus talks to her about worship, verse 25, and again, this woman has some understanding of spiritual things. She says, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I will speak to you am he. Listen. You're seeing him. This is he. This is your answer. This is the one who can satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. This is the one who is the gift of God. This is the one who gives you that living water that will never run dry. This is the one who has come to help you worship God in spirit and in I will speak to you, I'm he. True worship is not about the form. It's not about the place. It's not about the mountain. True worship is about the person, Jesus Christ. When you know him, you're able to offer to God worship in spirit and truth. And it's being a worshiper of God that's going to meet the deepest longing of our hearts because eternity has been set in every one of us. In every one of us. A couple of verses I want us to look at in the book of Haggai chapter 2 and verse 7. Haggai 2 verse 7, God says, I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord. Haggai 2 verse 7. Jesus is called the desire of all nations. Meaning people. They will come to the desire of all nations. Who is the desire of all nations? Jesus. Whether they know it or not, whether they realize it or not, there is only one who can satisfy the desire, the longing of every heart, Jesus Christ. He is the desire of all nations, of every human person. Isaiah prophesied this in Isaiah 5 and verse 26, talking about the Lord. He said, he will lift up a banner to the nations from afar. And will whistle, meaning call out to them from the end of the earth. Surely they will come with speed swiftly. When his banner is raised up and when his call goes forth, people will respond. Because he is the desire of all nations. I believe in this season, as 
As we reach out to our city, as churches across the city, reach out. What are we doing? We're trying to address that need, the deepest longing of every heart. And we must do it with this understanding that he, Jesus, is the desire of all nations. He's the one they're actually waiting for. And when his banner is raised, when his voice is heard, they will come swiftly. They will respond to it. Is what the scriptures promise us and tell us. The rest of this story about this woman is wonderful. Because when she encounters Jesus Christ, she goes to her village, her city, and tells them, come and see. The people of the city come. They meet Jesus. They hear him. And they too believe in Jesus Christ. So one life that's changed has the potential to impact so many others so that their deepest needs or their deepest need is also met through their encountering Jesus Christ. Amen? And as much as people are seeking to meet their physical needs, their emotional needs, we must understand that there is eternity placed in every heart, in every life. And we're here to make ourselves available to God and say, God, use us to help people receive or to know the gift of God and the person of Christ so that the deepest longing of their hearts are met, that they will receive eternal life, the gift of God. Will you take some time to pray right now and say, God, we pray that in this city, in our city of Bangalore, that many, many people, well, like this woman, will find Jesus Christ. It was not by accident that that afternoon, Jesus met this woman at the well. It was a divine setup. There was purpose behind it. Would you pray and say, God, would you dare to pray and say, God, in this week and in the coming weeks, set these kind of meetings up for me, God, that I might meet people like Jesus meeting this woman at the well. That I might be able to speak to them. I might be able to lead them to know the gift of God and the person of Christ. Could you set that up for me, God? Would you dare to pray that way? And say, God, in this week and the weeks to come, have these things set up for me. In the normal course of my life, when I'm just going about life, that there will be these moments when I meet people when, and I'll be able to help them. Know the gift of God and the person of Jesus Christ. That I'll respond to it. Because you've put eternity in every heart and they are waiting. They're searching. Sometimes they're trying to find an answer. They're pursuing an unknown God. And God wants to use you and me to point them to Jesus Christ. Let's just take a few moments to pray. Now let the worship team just lead us for a few moments as we pray. To the water, stand by my side. Oh, you are thirsty, you won't be denied. I felt every tear draw when in darkness you cry, and I struggled. 
spoke to him and for those tears I longing inside you to to step into what's eternal inside you the bible says that as many as who received jesus to them he gives the power to become the children of god even to those who believe in his name as many as many as who receive him they say welcome him they embrace him they recognize who he is that he is 
the Savior, the one who died for their sins, was buried, who rose up again, that He is the gift of God. As many as who receive Him, to them He gives eternal life. He gives them the right to become children of God. And maybe like this woman at the well, you've been going about life, just meeting your own physical needs and trying to meet these different needs in your life the emotional needs of love and belonging and all of that there's nothing wrong but you never really paused to recognize that Jesus Christ can meet has come to meet that deepest longing of your heart deep inside and you never open up your heart and said Jesus Christ Lord Jesus come into my life you've never done that, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer to help you do that. To say, Jesus, come into my life. Meet that deepest longing of my heart. Forgive my sins. Give me this eternal life that will never run dry. Give this to me. Make me a child of God. I want to lead us in a prayer. And if you've never done this before, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let's take a moment to pray. If there's anyone here this morning, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, to believe in Him, to receive Him, the one who is eternal life, would you pray this prayer with me, please? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Meet the deepest longing of my heart. Give me this living water that truly satisfies and that never runs out. Forgive my sins and help me to follow you the rest of my life. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just worship you. You are eternal life. You are this river, this river that never runs dry. You are, Lord, this this living water that truly satisfies us deep inside. I pray that you'll make us all worshipers, that in that place of worship, all the longings of our heart will be fully satisfied. We pray that as we go from this place, We'll go with the expectation, with the readiness, Lord, to lead many into this encounter of Jesus Christ. That you'll set this up for us. And we'll have the joy of pointing many people to salvation in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us today and always in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to take additional packets, uh, you'll find them out at the uh, the table outside. They are uh, powder change packets to give away. Take them with you. Give it to as many people as you can. God bless you.
We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.